Hello and welcome to Gully Boys of Cricket, the voice of fans. I'm your host Prakash Vatva. This is part 2 of our conversation with Priyansh Chandra from India and Daniel Orsmond from South Africa. We are looking at key moments, performances and takeaways from the first test match between India and South Africa in Wisag. Part 1 focused on India and this part is all about South African perspective. Let's talk about the top 3 of South African batting. There is definitely Dean Elgar, there is Aidan Markram, but there are also some question marks up there. Let's take us forward Dan. Okay, so let's start with Dean Elgar. I mean, very very nuggety, gritty type of player and what what I like about him, he he knows what his strengths are, he knows what his weaknesses are. A lot of people were a bit worried about him having to face Ashwin with a ball turning away from him or Jadeja coming out of the rough. And it's quite funny though because there's a big contrast between a player like Alga and a player like Markram, where Markram, in my opinion, has more talent and potential in his pinky than Dean Alga does in his entire body. And it just shows that it comes down to mental toughness more than anything else, especially in India. We talk so highly of Markram, Dan. It would be really nice to see something great on this tour from him. I agree. His his career started off obviously playing against some weaker sides where he was making a lot of runs, and obviously there was a lot of hype about him. But anyone who really understood cricket knew that you know this doesn't mean anything. The guy needs to score some runs against some proper sides. And then we had the Australians come down to South Africa for that four match test series. where he scored a couple of hundreds and i mean that was against a very good bowling lineup that was against Mitchell Stark, Pat Cummings, Nathan Lyon for example. I think he's definitely getting there. He's he's just turned 25 if i'm not mistaken. It's it's difficult as you must understand that as a South African i went to school with Markram and the wickets that we play on very very fast, very bouncy, you know, all the boys are encouraged to become, you know, we all want to be fast bowlers and bowl 145 kilometers an hour like Dale Steyn and Alan Donald and you don't get exposure to Ashwin and Jadeja type bowlers anywhere you know leading up to your career from school through to provincial cricket it's difficult for a youngster and i suppose only time will tell but definitely a bit too inconsistent at the moment i don't think his place inside is is under any any debate though problem is is more so in the the number 3 and number 4 roles there was something very interesting you mentioned there dan so you went to school with markram tell us a bit more to that story yeah um i was actually his vice captain for a little while he's he was he was exceptional at school he really stood out above the rest of us you you always knew that there was something very special about him i remember we we had a cricket match on a saturday morning i work i was in boarding school we we were in pretoria and it had been raining the entire night Now if I remember correctly we had a very important test on the Monday. I don't remember if it was a maths test or a science test. But none of us were too keen to play this cricket match on the Saturday because we needed to, you know, to study for our test. And I remember Markham clearly going to the sort of cleaner's shed or whatever you want to call it and he found himself a broom. And he went out onto the field, removed the covers himself and he started sweeping water off the pitch. he had blisters on both his hands and we actually ended up playing that game that's just an example of of the dedication that he had at at, at a school level 
So you've been quite close to Markram, seen him from very close quarters, and you have likely been a very good player yourself to have vice-captained a player like Markram. You still in contact with him, Dan? No, not at all. I, to be honest, the only reason I knew it was his birthday was from Facebook. But the last time I spoke to him was uh, when he won the Under-19 World Cup. We lost, we lost contact after that. Must be great to see um, someone you know so close to you doing so well in the international circuit, doing your country proud. Yeah, it was a very interesting time for school cricket, um, especially in my province, Gauteng. It's where the Titans and the Lions come from. We had Aidan Markram, Quinton de Kock, and Tienis de Brain who were all playing school cricket at the exact same time. And everybody spoke about the three of them as if these are the next three cricketers in South Africa. And it's quite funny that they all ended up playing for the same, for the same international side. Talking of Markram and this test match, the final morning, it looked like Markram had that uh, hunger in him to save the day for South Africa. And that even showed in the disappointment he had when he got out, caught by that excellent catch by Jadeja. He looked like someone who was intent on showing what he's about, which gives me confidence that uh, his best on this tour might not be too far away. Let's move further because you did mention, Dan, about the question marks on number three and number four. Your, your number three and your number four, in my opinion, need to be the two best batsmen that your country can produce. Who, who are the run machines that have been in South Africa's number three and four positions? It's Hashim Amla, Jacques Callis, A.B. de Villiers. You know, those are the guys that come to mind. Tienis de Brain and Temba Bavuma, we have 100 each. Tienis de Brain was against Sri Lanka and Temba Bavuma got one against the, the English. That's just unacceptable. For a country as good as South Africa with as much depth that we have, to have your number three and your number four batsmen averaging in you know, the 20s and 30s, that's just really not good enough. I mean, these, these two players wouldn't have got a second look six, seven, eight years ago. But now they almost seem to be the backbone of, of our middle order, which is, which is a bit crazy in my opinion. If you look at the face of it, just one century each, and for a player who is coming into bat at number three, Brian having an average of just around 20 after a while in test cricket, they must also have something special that the South African cricket is still sticking with them and people are still talking about their talent. I personally think it's a bit too early to judge them. Like, I don't, I don't really think Babuma should have batted at number four. Maybe he should have been in at number five or six. Number four was a bit too high. Maybe Duplessis could have come in at number four. That would have been better. But in case of Tennis Dubrin, I'm absolutely okay with it. The 100 we saw in Sri Lanka should be a sign of big things to come. He's someone who's come on back of lots of domestic runs. Averages over 45 in domestic crickets. Even in the A-tours, he's done extremely well. So just be a bit patient. Even when Hashim Amla came in at first go, A.B. De Villiers came in. You know, even these guys struggle in that initial phase. We talked about Faf a bit there. We'll come to that in a moment. But I want to have a final word from you, Dan, from this number three and four perspective, because you, you painted a picture and which was very correct on how important and how solid these roles need to be for any country. You brought out a bit of frustration in what has been going on in those positions with these two guys. Is that a general perception in South Africa? How long of a rope do these guys have after this tour? Or is this a place where they have to show something special to have a longer rope? To be honest, and I'll probably catch a bit of criticism from some South Africans for this, but you could make the argument that they are both there right now due to the lack of a better alternative. 
I don't think you can average what they are averaging for as long as they have been and still stay in the South African eleven. Tienis de Brain, he really, he really does dominate at a domestic level. They've both warranted their, their call-ups, but neither of them have really put their foot down. I think every, every side's number three and number four, their best batsmen. If you ask ourselves, who are South Africa's two best batsmen? I think the majority of people would say Quinton de Kock and Faf Duplessis. And I'd like to see Faf put up his hand and say, yes, I'll bat at three. And I'd like Quinton de Kock to potentially shift up the order to bat at number four. And then shifting Bavuma and Tienes de Brain down for now. In terms of how long a rope they have, obviously it's very difficult to criticize someone in India, but we have England coming up in December and January. Yeah, by the end of that series, if they, if they haven't come right, I really think it is time to, to, to give them a break, you know, to tell them to go back to first-class cricket, to play, play four-day cricket and to score mountains of runs before they, they're allowed to come back into the side. The problem is, though, that Faf is about 34 now. Someone would technically need to take over the captaincy in Faf's absence if he were to, for example, retire this year or next year. And I think Cricket South Africa has Markram lining up for that. It would probably fall on the cock. I'm not 100% sure, but Bavuma and Tienes de Brain's name definitely do come up in that discussion. And they're both captain their domestic sides as well. Yeah, and my personal choice would definitely be Markram. Despite the great personality that Decock is, I don't want to add that additional burden of him having to keep pickets. We're talking about him moving up the order and then putting captaincy on top of it and making him play multiple formats. But that was a great insight. I, I loved it. The way you described South African cricket, the way you described what's going on. We are being a bit too critical of Babuma. Like, He's never been someone who scores plenty of runs at international cricket. He's someone who scores those tough runs. It didn't happen this time, but we can just be a bit patient. He will get that tough 60 or 70 on a rank turner, on a fourth or fifth day pitch that would decide the game. There is the, there is the option of, of bringing in another keeper and, and giving them the gloves to, to free up Quinton de Kock to fill in that number four position. If we had a, a suitable, a suitable wicketkeeper batsman to take over, and Rudy Second would be my, my initial choice. I think if he was available, fit and available, I would, I would probably bat him at seven and shift the cock up. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that with, with someone like Heinrich Klaassen. until a player like uh, Keshile or Calvarian come, come of age. They, they would be the next to do that. Let's move towards Faf a bit because both of you brought Faf up. He is such a good factor in this team right now. Just his presence in the middle. You look at the beautiful partnership he had with Elgar in the first innings and how good he was looking even on the fifth morning. He brought that calmness with him. Whatever time he was on the crease, things seemed to be in control of South Africa. I was a bit surprised that he came out as low as five or six in these innings. Is he going to bat up the order or are we still expecting him to come at five? I, I think he'll definitely come in at five again. Don't think we'll see any change in that top five. I don't think Hamza will come in. I think Faf needs to put his hand up and needs to, needs to move up the order, but I, I don't think it'll happen, to be honest. Do you think there could be a case similar to Angelo Matthews where people will eventually end up criticizing Faf for not moving up the order like Matthews has been always criticized for wanting to bat at number five and not above, though he was the senior most batsman. And that eventually 
garnered him a lot of heat from the dressing room and from the selection perspective and from the audience as well it's difficult for us to say you know is it faf's decision that he's batting at 5 is it the coaches is it both of theirs does tienes the brain fit better at 3 you know we don't we don't really know what what's going on in the change room but my opinion is that faf is the senior player and that he's opted to to bat at 5 um and i think it's the wrong call i think he should be i think he should be coming in at 3 how about uh, the bowling of south africa who is going to get those 20 wickets for them those 20 wickets seem so far away from a south african perspective at the moment but there there definitely need to be some changes in that in that department for for the next test in my opinion how about philander and rabada i mean shami did the damage on a pitch which was supposed to spin are you happy with uh, what you saw of rabada and philander in this game it's it's like two completely different different players when when they're bowling in south africa and when they're bowling on the subcontinent and i, I suppose it's 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 obviously harder for for fast bowlers but like you said uh, shami bowled beautifully today he was he was absolutely fantastic philander's got a bit more flack than than i'd like to see i think he did decently he his economy rate in the first innings was spectacular i think it was about 1 and a half especially with with guys like Rohit Sharma and and some of the other guys in the Indian top 6 who like to you know get the game going and take it to the bowlers and bat it you know 4 to 4 and a half and over i think having a guy like Philander who can come on bowl wicket to wicket type stuff and slow the game down is is very useful for a captain priyansh uh, just to throw in another thing to that i know you have been a great fan of keshav maharaj are you happy with his performance Keshav Maharaj he even conceded more runs than what Rohit Sharma scored. He picked up 5 wickets in my opinion it wasn't the worst performance that you could have expected. Yeah on paper it was the second most runs conceded by anyone in history of test but according to me it was more due to the lack of pressure from the other end. How did Dane Pete end up doing so poorly? He conceded 200 plus runs at an economy of almost 5.6. Didn't pick up any wickets and that probably affected Maharaj more. people often speak about partnerships in batting but you can talk about partnerships in bowling as well and he just didn't have the support from the other end at any point in the test match dane pete doesn't get a place on my side for the next test match and i i highly doubt we will see him far too expensive far too one dimensional didn't trouble the batsman yeah he contributed with the bats at the end but his role is there as a spinner and believe it or not his if you if you would ask a south african who has the potential to take more wickets between maharaj and pete you'd probably say that maharaj is more of the holding spinner whereas dane pete is the wicket taker so he he definitely hasn't done his job there and i don't think you can make an argument to keep him in the side it's possible that we are maybe over criticizing them just after one test match because we are also looking at such a strong batting lineup at their home so that could be a factor that needs to be considered but all that said and done there have to be at least couple of bowlers in the lineup who are that x factor kind of bowlers who can run through an opposition get four or five wickets in a session just like shami did we know how good of a bowler he is in second innings we know how good ashwin is he can run through an innings in couple of sessions who are those names in this 15 south africa has So that for his frontline bowlers obviously Rabada. Um and if anyone's going to take five wickets in in a session it would it would definitely be him. When he's getting the ball to swing, conventional swing or reverse swing and he's doing so at 145 km an hour, there there aren't many better than him. 
Um, he did struggle in the first test, but I think he'll definitely bounce back. <laughs> As South Africans, we're quite used to having very, very successful bowlers, you know, with Alan Donald, Sean Pollock, Makai Antini, Dale Stain, Rabada, Philander, all these guys who, who are very prolific wicket takers. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're finding India 200 without loss and South Africa just don't know how to deal with it. So I'd like to see Philander a bit more, a bit more destructive with a new ball. And let's hope Rabada can get some of that reverse swing going on later in the day. That's a point there, that you're not going to win against this Indian team if you let them bat for five or six sessions. So there has to be a day somewhere where you bowl them out within a day. So what is, what is the one positive for South Africa, Dan? What can South Africa take out of this game? I'd really love the fight from them personally on that third day. That was a big positive for me. In fact, I thought they would come back on day five and show us the same fight. I agree. Um, when, we were, when we were 40 for three or whatever it was at the end of the second day, I think the whole of South Africa just thought, oh, here we go. Here's 2015 all over again. And to be completely honest, I didn't actually wake up early for the, for the start of the third day. You know, thinking I would um, get to work at about 7, 8 o'clock, I'd turn on the cricket and we'd be all out for, for 80. But that, that really impressed me. Dean Elgar really set the tone for what it takes to be successful in India. It's not about the, you know, how much potential you have, how many runs you've scored here, this and that. It's about mental toughness, not wanting to get out, wanting to win badly and to be honest he looks like the only guy on the side at the moment who's, who's really willing to put up a fight uh, what what changes would you guys make to the south african side for the second test dan pete has to go out and have lungi angiri in for sure number four should be for far and number five or in fact you can even consider having mutuswami or quinton de Kock at number five and have bavuma at number six South Africa does have the pieces. It's more about just juggling them around, getting them to their right roles. I would still have Decock down. But yes, I would play Mutusami and see if he can have more of a role with the bat. He fills that gulf for me between Decock and the tail. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you guys have said. I think Dane Pitt needs to make way for a fast bowler. Your fast bowlers are either Nokia or, or Lungi Ngidi. I would go for Ngidi personally. I think he's, he's, a, he's a bit more of a complete fast bowler than Nokia at the moment. Mutasami will, will play as a specialist batsman. He's made the run, so you can't, you can't drop him. Um, I wouldn't give him a bowl in, in the next match. I think if... If we want an, a, another spinner other than Maharaj, you might as well. You know, I think Alga can do just as good a job. And Dan, do you expect South Africa to bounce back and win a match on the series? Right now, I can't see us taking 20 wickets. I, I, I can see us being more competitive. I'd like to see us, you know, winning the task, batting first, putting 450 on the board. But can we take 20 wickets in a test match um, right now? Um, I don't think so. We'll probably need a magic session here or there from a Rabada or a Maharaj. Or maybe some you know, X-Factor player who hasn't uh, really shown his magic so far. I agree. South Africa need to stick to the tried and tested method of three seamers and rely on reverse swing to, to win a test match. One thing that I also would like to mention is the Indian combination. I would honestly like if this 
team doesn't make any changes to the playing 11 you know even in the fans there are a few voices who want the inclusion of kuldeep yadav at the cost of hanuma vihari and knowing this team and the selection process behind them and the minds i won't be surprised if he's omitted from the next match so i genuinely hope they stick with this playing 11 for this entire series even if vihari doesn't have a lot to do just let him settle so that he's mentally sure of his place and maybe just you know look to bring back rishabh pant as soon as possible at the start of this match we may not have agreed especially with the pant versus saha selection we may not have agreed that rohit sharma needs to open the innings we questioned why ashwin was out earlier of the indian 11 but now that they have got this 11 and it has worked we don't see a reason for it to change and let's hope that the indian team management backs the players who have been successful now so we hope for competitive cricket and we wish all the players good luck with the upcoming test matches thank you priyansh thank you dan for your wonderful insights now you can also be a gully boy feature on these podcasts with your ideas simply contact no boundaries platform thank you everyone for listening to gully boys of cricket we'll see you next time Thank you.